Welcome to Power Up Your Business podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Jones. And in this episode, we speak to the husband and wife team, Nathan and Hayley Kent, owners and operators of Lawrence Plumbing Group, based in Melbourne. Now, this is a great story. Having started their business in 2012, so some nine years ago, the same year they got married. And post the initial honeymoon period of the business after that first six, 12, 18 months where things are kicking along okay, all of a sudden the realisation of business hit home with obviously big tax bills, no cash at the bank and very quickly getting into that hamster on the wheel where they're busy all the time, long hours, but not getting the return. And it really got to the stage where it pushed the family to breaking point, huge stress on the family, no money, no time, no holidays. The team weren't buying in and it really come to the stage where they had to make a change and really hear how Nathan and Haley really got uncomfortable out of their comfort zone to come on board some 18 months ago on the Power Up program where they really had to get uncomfortable and make massive changes to the way they did business. And in Nathan's words, it took him six years to make the change to actually get assistance, to be open for assistance. In his words, again, he was naive thinking that he could do it all alone and run the business. So over the past, with that change, this was really their last chance to make a go of it. And they made that total change from that trading mindset thinking where it's all about the job, where I could just do it myself, to really that business performance mindset where it's all about accountability and getting other people on board to help them on their journey. Hear how Nathan did a great job of changing his leadership style as well. We're really leading from the rear. We're allowing his team to step up and own it. Did a great job there. And also some of the processes that Nathan and Haley put in place from an administration office point of view to give clarity and accountability to ensure that the numbers are clear and the numbers are correct. So they're making educated business decisions. And the result, so since joining the program, revenue has increased a whopping 20% and now broken through the million dollar barrier. So it's a seven figure business, which is great. But more importantly, there's a massive 329% operating profit increase in the bottom line. And that's what the program's about. That's what we love. It's not about just increasing income. It's about smashing the bottom line. And that's what gets us excited. And more importantly, with that here, Nathan and Haley, stress is halved, stress is reduced, confidence is bright. And more importantly, they've got more quality family time. So this is a good one, everyone. Get the pens ready. There's some really good takeaways to ensure that you can improve your business. Enjoy. You're here to change your life. Because there's too much on the line, you're sacrificing a shitload now and your family need to benefit. You've got to make learning a passion for yourself. The clicker for me come and realise that, hey, got to get better at business. Really keen to hear the journey, Nathan, from your end, where I want you to get an understanding about when you started your, your plumbing business back in 2012, making that change from working for someone else, dipping the toe into running a business. Like a lot of tradies do, you often think, you know, hey, I'm good on the tools. I might as well run a business. I'll be great at business. How were those early sort of years for you, Nathan, getting your business card out there and starting your own business? It was something through my apprenticeship that I always knew I wanted to do. Even through high school, I was keen on running a business. Plumbing's where I kind of found my skill set. 
couple of years out of my apprenticeship, but I kind of got my ABN and, and away I went. And I think you've got that huge level of energy and excitement, enthusiasm. The people around you want to see you succeed. So you meet your friends and family. And compared to a wages gig, you watch your bank account skyrocket. It's fantastic. And life's good. We got the new family kind of SUV within 12 months and Hayley was looking like a princess in it and it was fantastic. And then reality hits, you kind of, you get busier and busier because you're good at what you do personally as, as a tradie and the stress levels just increase. And they go from zero to 10 real quick and that euphoria just disappears overnight. For us, Hayley and myself, you know, relationships, you know, we're happily married and we, and we love each other immensely, but it was just that disconnect almost immediately too where Hayley didn't understand the stress I was under that passion of our relationship kind of disappears personally and all I'm doing is working seven days a week, turning up to parties, I won't have a drink in case the phone rings, your leg's vibrating, yeah, kind of a phantom vibration in your leg because your phone's rubbing that hot and you're that conscious of it and you just end up hating it. You have no social life and then profits start to dwindle as well. That um, I think you, you put it that firefighter mentality, you're just running around putting out fires trying to keep your head above water. Yeah, that's a common scenario where you get a bit of a honeymoon period where that first sort of six, 12, 18 months, it's like, hey, I've got all this money in the bank. Obviously, too, there's a bit of a lack of understanding that there's going to be a big tax bill coming often. And then there's other costs associated and other liabilities that you don't see sort of hidden. But yeah, it's amazing once you, as you mentioned there, you get to that stage where, and I know we've spoken about this, where yeah, you got to a stage where you work seven days a week, 80 hours plus a week, no holidays. And putting massive stress on that, yeah, obviously, you'll be married in the same year, right? So Yeah, correct. Married the same year, start a business, same year. So get all the big things out of the way in the same year. And we have that running joke where I think, was it within about the first 12 months you started operating your business, you come and saw one of our training sessions that we conducted through Reese? Was it first 12 months? I did, yeah. It was um, probably getting towards the end of our first 12 months. And yeah. Matt came and saw you down in um, Seaford, I think it was, one of the Reese kind of run programs. Yeah, and I thought, kind of thought, who's this joker? You know, I, I don't need to know this bloke. He's he's got no idea. He, he tried to run his own plumbing business. He couldn't hack it. And yeah, see you later, Matt. <laughs> yes, yeah, so it's like, what's his bozo doing, right? Yeah, that was the thought. This program's just not for me. I've got this in the in the bag. I, I can handle this. I'm across it. Idea, yeah, of running a business. And yeah, I was a good plumber. And again, we we're still doing okay at that point, and mm. finances were reasonable. But yeah, fast forward seven years, and kind of turns out, hey. You knew what you were talking about. I didn't know what I was talking about, and, and here we are. I was waiting for you to knock on the door, right? So, Yeah, correct. It's such a common thing, like over the, the 6,000 or 7,000 or whatever, the amount of um, traders have attended the training sessions over the years that we see it. You know, when you're in that first 12 to 18 months of business and those are listening, just be aware of this. There is that honeymoon period. But after that, once you get into that 18 months, pushing up to three years, pushing up to five years, and Haley, you detest this. I want you to jump in in a second. But you know, the fatigue starts to wear in. The frustration starts to wear in. You start to hate what you're doing. You start to resent customers. That's that hard thing because you're all alone. And this is the I want everyone to sort of you know tap into here, which is a great story. What Nathan and Haley have done is that it's hard often to look in the mirror and say I was wrong. And that's a credit to to both of you to you know come say look, yep, yeah, I need help. And you know what, actually, that guy, you know, I thought he was all full of BS, but he, he knows a couple of things, maybe. So look, the great story is, everyone, and just those, just to frame it, the last 18 months since Nathan Harley come on the Blueprint for Success program in the Power Up Coaching, I think some of the numbers are unbelievable. Yeah, so we've gone well and truly in a seven-figure business, 
the last 12 months, a 20% increase in revenue, which is great. But as you know, as we always say, revenue is one thing. It's all about the profit. And the amazing bottom line was an increase of 329% net profit or operating profit and taking it from a basically a margin of not making anything to a 13 to 14% operating profit margin in a short space of time, relatively short space of time, is a credit to to both yourselves. And I want to really tap into some of the processes that you implement and some of those success habits that we talk about that I really want you to share with the audience. So that's great fast forwarding where we are now. But so from Haley, from your perspective, you know, back in the day in those early years, you're trying to get the nest sorted, getting the family sorted, <laughs> um, and trying to manage everything from an admin point of view. How was life in those early years? Yeah, well, I'm probably a bit more of the stress head in the relationship. Nathan's very optimistic and positive. So when he started, I'm a nurse, so I picked up extra shifts a week, so sort of working six days a week to make sure we had enough cash flow (laughs) and then started doing the books. But as we were saying that first year, it kind of was pretty pretty nice anyway and it runs pretty smoothly cash-wise. I kind of cut down my hours again. But then Nathan just kept getting busier and busier. So I kind of had a little bit more free time, but never got to see Nathan. And we just kind of kept saying, you know, you have to put in the hard work, you know, for the first few years and then it, it'll all pay off. And then the years just kind of kept going. <laughs> and you're like, so where's this extra time and, and the payoff really? <laughs> yeah, when, when are we going to start to get on the other side of this? Yeah, you stop sort of taking holidays. And as Nathan said, you didn't really have as much as a social life or I'd go out without Nathan a lot and it just started really becoming our routine which obviously really didn't didn't like yeah we thought we kind of really need to make a change because it just wasn't turning around and just kept getting busier and I would do the books and I could kind of see that you know cash flow was always was always tight and I was always stressed about paying the bills but Nathan was too busy on his side doing the work and doing the quotes and everything to see my side. So he was stressed doing his and didn't really want to listen to me and my numbers. Mm. And then I was stressed and <laughs> looking at my side and not able to get that change. So, yeah, just crazy busy and no flow. Not a lot of fun. <laughs> no, it's not a lot of fun. And, look, and that's the, the key part of your journey where it starts off cool but then it gets into that, and what we always talk about where you know, you really become enslaved to the business, correct? You really become enslaved to the job and it becomes that reality where actually I haven't built a business at all. Even if I've got a number of people working for the team, it's still you're enslaved to that. And what you've done in you know really well now, you've, you've started to build a business that serves you. And one of the key things, Harley, that we've talked about before is that often there's that, as you mentioned, there's a bit of a disconnect between what's happening on the site and often the husband running it, in your case, Nathan, and what's happening in the office. And it's a bit like, you know, you're talking, you're speaking Chinese, Haley, and Nathan's speaking Arabic, right? And you just don't understand it, right? You're just like, I'm too busy, don't worry about it, I'm working hard, you know, and you often put up with it. But that, as you mentioned, puts a real a lot of strain on the on the family. And as you've mentioned before, you know, Nathan's getting stressed, he's getting tired, and for little return, and it becomes that sort of that never-ending cycle. And look, and that's the key thing where it's just so important. And again, it's a credit to you guys both, you know, working through here and obviously to getting the young family coming through now. And we're talking just before we jumped online 
And it was great how you were talking, Nathan, now that you've got better time for the kids, you're in a better headspace to enjoy the kids more, better quality time, correct? Yeah, 100%. And I think um, when you're young and you've got all the time in the world and no real responsibility, you don't think about those things and people have their life-changing moments and realise kind of what it's all about. And and for me, it was kids. And I've been fortunate enough to have two gorgeous children and that was really the catalyst for the turnaround you know, just say, yeah, we, we can't continue with this. I, did, I didn't want to be a dad that was never there. And it was that personal kind of wake-up call, I suppose, to say, yeah, let's, let's make this work. I didn't want to go get a job. We, you know, we discussed that. You know, do we throw it in and have the comfort of four weeks holiday and those paid holidays and public holidays and things like that? And that just doesn't interest me. I'm, I'm too keen and too eager and, and too driven to, to accept that as my reality. Yeah. So, yeah, we had to find an alternative and, and the cube's been it. And I think it's important, maybe not letting it go for so long, but important that I had that peak and trough of and that euphoria of starting my business and then realising that I, I wasn't educated and adapt to doing it all on my own and, and that I did need help. I think that's been really important because I can really see the value in, in seeking that outside help, someone that's got the knowledge that can help us guide us in the right direction and build that business and that lifestyle around that business. Yeah, well, one of the big things on that, tapped in, like the, the organisations, the clients and the business owners obviously come on board with us and part of the community who you communicate with and learn from as well. But those that are ready to change are the ones that have gone through the hard yards. They actually understand the value of what we deliver or understand the value of when we talk about process and they understand the value of putting key rocks in the system in your calendar rather than just being busy on the site. Because unless you're ready, prepared to say, coming back to you, Nathan, we will say, look, you've got to spend less time on site, right? You've got to spend less time on site. You've got to spend more time in processes. You've got to spend more time communicating with your team. You've got to spend more time communicating with your customers. Now, if you're not prepared for that, you'd be thinking a bit like what you did back in the day when you first saw me, mate, you're kidding yourself. I've got to be on the job site, right? I've got to be just on the job, getting the job done. That's where my priority is. And and that's sort of the fundamental shift where a lot of business owners get it wrong, especially trading business owners get it wrong, is they think their priority, their value is on the site. It's not. Once you get a business card and you set up your business, it's a total different responsibility. And coming back to the kids, the one thing that, you know, this is what really drives me and gets me so excited and this is why I love, you know, talking to you guys and your success stories because I've seen it too many times where businesses, okay, people start a business, there are essentially two things. I want more money, more time. And again, the first 12, 18 months it goes that way, but then it quickly can turn into a nightmare where the business ends up, you know, wrecking relationships and I've had people where they're disconnected from their kids because they were never around when they were young because they're focusing all the time on the business. Now, I just want everyone to understand here in this podcast, we want to work less. We do not want to be waking every minute thinking about business. That is not the go. And that's what we're passionate about. And that's what we're about, you know, earn more, work less and create a great life. It's not about work, work, work. It's all about having that balance and especially your testament to that with young family. Hey, you've got friends, you've got family, you've got a life, right? And it's great to see you turn that around now to really have that confidence in the future now. We're speaking with Nathan and Haley Kent from Lawrence Plumbing Group. Now, if you'd like to learn how you can earn more with less stress, just like Nathan and Haley, please pick up a free copy of my book, Power Up Your Tradie Business, only pay for shipping. Go to www.powerupyourbusiness.com.au forward slash book and enter the code podcast, all lowercase. Haley, how are you now? Like, yeah, building that business now again. You being the pessimist, right? Yeah. <laughs> How's your optimism now in terms of that confidence in the future? 
yeah, it's definitely really changed around just on the family side. Like Nathan's here every night, dinner with the kids, doing baths, doing story time, putting them to bed is just something that we didn't do before. Even when William, our first one, came around, was still quite busy and I think we hadn't quite started the cube yet. And then once the second one arrived when we're well into the cube we could really start to see these changes in the time and it just makes such a massive difference yeah and no, i think it's great now and then obviously now you know and it's a building a scalable model we want to be able to build a scalable model which you've got the platform in place and the foundation in place to really grow you know so to build more revenue on there build more team on there without it actually taking up more of your time correct yeah yep so now I just want to tap into and go through some of the key processes, right, of how you actually enable this. How did you go from, again, being busy with no profit, no time, and I want to sort of tap into a couple of things that are, that are crucial. And the first thing I want to tap into, I'm going to direct this to you, Nathan, which is the team. Now, it's a really good, good credit to you, and hopefully you don't mind me sort of drilling you about this again, is that, you know, you were really struggling with your team, right? You were really struggling with how do I connect a team? You were probably, and correct me if I'm wrong, you're probably even negative towards the team thinking, you know, these guys don't get it. Why don't they get it? You know, they should just get it, right? And essentially, you know, in those early part of, you know, our journey together, you'd think, well, I had a meeting, well, I've given them a process, why do they get it? You know what I mean? Jonesy, this doesn't work, mate. This is all fluff. I had a meeting and it doesn't work, right? So just talk about that sort of little transition too from you now as being a, as a leader. That's an ongoing learning for myself, people management. I, I am horrible at it, but I'm slowly getting better. I think the big thing for me to take from it is that it's nobody thinks like you do, particularly as a business owner. When you're scratching your head why guys are, you know, leaving roof sheets unscrewed or not sealing gutters and things like that, and they, they don't see the implications of the roll-on effects of, of those little one percenters as we talk about, whereas as the business owner, I do. And you're right, we had these meetings, discussed issues. I was probably a bit hot-headed in my approach. And I could just never get the buy-in from my team. And uh, it just progressively got worse and worse. And what I found was I had some really good guys that I gave no time and attention to at all. And they were doing their thing over quietly, kind of going about their day. And I was focusing all my attention on a couple of bad eggs at the time, what I thought were bad eggs, that were causing me a lot of grief. So what I had was just a ticking time bomb where all my good guys were probably geeing up and getting ready to leave because I was giving them no attention. And the guys that I was focusing my attention on were just not a fit for the business that I was trying to run. So I read a couple of books around human behaviour and, and different personalities, um, which one of your coaches put me onto. Uh, Surrounded by Idiots was the one that was an awesome book for anyone that's really struggling with staff or um, is probably a bit introverted like myself. It's, it's a ripper one to get yourself sink your teeth into. really opens up the world and then you can kind of understand why you're the weird one and everyone else around you is just who they are. <laughs> but it's a really good book that I definitely recommend. So Surrounded by Idiots, definitely. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. and you're the, or the business coach we got through Cube, uh, yep. Paul, he um, he got me onto that one. So that was a, an awesome one. So read that book, did the audio version just while I was driving around, and it just clicked to me that there's just going to be certain people that just don't fit into your business, and that's okay. They're going to have their goals, you've got yours, and you're just not going to mesh, and that's fine. Just the same as you're not friends with everyone that, you know, walks mm. the face of the earth. Yep. Number one from that was hire slow, fire fast. If the person's not a fit and they don't buy into the team and the direction that the business is going, you know, no love lost. You don't, it's not that you dislike the person, but they're just not a fit. Get rid of them. 
so that was a really hard thing for me to do as well. We got rid of a couple of guys that I was spending a lot of time on trying to change, change the way they were doing things and making no inroads. At that point, I just realised how little time or how much positive energy I was giving to the good guys in the business. And that was a real turning point too, just really did a 180, grabbed the good guys that were doing the right thing all the time, focused on them. And some of the guys that weren't doing it that well actually came up and, and, and raised, raised themselves to their level. So it's still a work in progress and it is something you need to work on every single day of the year. When we started the cube, we got into it really heavily with building the team up and getting them on board and it, it, we got busy again and that focus dropped off and so did the compliance from the team. So we brought that back in, the team meetings, the Monday meetings which we run. Just to clarify that, yeah, we've got the, the rocks in play, right, success habit, the Monday meetings, get everyone together. Yeah, so we get the team together. Um, COVID's been a bit difficult but kind of essentially every Monday morning we kind of like to take them to cafes and things like that, but we can't do that at the moment. But, yeah, so they come just, we hang out in the shed for half an hour, they clean the cars, get the vehicles organised, and we just talk about how the business is going, what issues are out there, don't hesitate or shy away from the issues that are surrounding us as far as their operating goes. So, you know, we last week, for instance, we had a new roof, had a couple of leaks on it. And again, we just, just a couple of miscommunications that happened and we missed a couple of things on this roof. No big deal, but we discussed it as a team and we went to fix it as a team. And the buy-ins has been really great since we started doing that. We've run some workshops regarding how people see themselves in the business and I was really surprised at some of the responses that we got with how engaged and how people value their position at this company. I didn't think it was there and it, it actually was. I just kind of had to go and ask. Well, I think that's the thing that, Look, a lot of people struggle with it. Look, when I was operating my gig in the 1990s for seven years there with the team, you know, you just think, oh, the team don't want to know that or they don't care about that or, you know, sometimes you have, you know, negative thoughts about the team as well as individuals and this is the the great thing that you've done is that you're connecting with them on an individual level. You're getting to know them. You're getting to understand them. You're getting to understand their likes and dislikes. Um, So you know their trigger points, right? So they're actually feeling special. Yeah, correct. And I think um, you just hit the nail on the head there is – I am introvert, so I, I struggle with this, but showing the interest in them on a personal level. Like, yeah, we've got work and we've got, to, we've got to do that stuff and we deal with the negatives and the positives and we reward the positives and we try and take care of the negatives as, as a team. But getting to know each of your staff members individually, you know, are they looking to buy a house? Do they enjoy going surfing or camping or skating? Even if you've got zero interest in it, just ask them a couple of questions. How was the skate park? What was the surf like on the weekend? Did you get to that? camping spot you were hoping for and what I actually found you know we've got guys that are interested in four-wheel driving we've got almost a borderline pro skater on board we've got a guy that manufactures music for clubs in Melbourne you know another bloke who's trying to buy a house his first house with his girlfriend and you know my son now knows that we've got a borderline pro skater who's two years old and he talks about Harley going skating I've utilized some yeah, you know, information about myself buying a, a camping vehicle for my family off, off the guy that loves camping. So you generate those personal conversations and you, you just find out a lot about your team, what drives them, what their motivators are because they don't have the same motivators as you. You know, they're not interested in, in creating this organisation necessarily, but they do have stuff that you can utilise and draw on and create that point of interest within the company for them. And, look, that's the thing there where tapping into them as an individual because, look, these are your best assets, and everyone, you know, this is these are your drivers that are going to really, yeah, uphold the brand and drive and deliver on your promise when you're not there, and getting to know them, spending time. 
But like you sort of mentioned, you've got to make it a priority that it gets locked in on a regular occurrence, right? These meetings, these conversations are regular. This is where a lot of businesses struggle. They might be good for a week or a month or a couple of months, but if it's not locked in, it can easily get lost when things get busy. This has just got to be, this is your operating standard because that's what the team want. The team, everyone wants that regularity and, and understanding that, okay, here's this consistency. The great thing is too, is that you're tapping into them. You're allowing them ownership. You're giving them that buy-in. Now, Haley, just when we got started here and we're getting, you know, obviously working on your people, what we call our people systems, and, you know, we're trying to define the way we do it here, you know, define your cultures and your values. How is that process of really uncovering what it is that your business is about. And again, this is where a lot of businesses might be stuck in their head about this is what's important to us, but getting it out of your both your heads, getting it consolidated into a paper and then getting your team to buy into it. Yeah. How was that process of un- uncovering that? Look, it probably wasn't an easy one for us. Nathan and I kind of went backwards and forwards for quite some time trying to work out our own values and values for the company. So it did take us quite a bit of time and we did like a few different exercises to really try and find the ones that we cared for the most so that we could give them to our, our team and get them to buy into it. And when we first tried to do it, as Nathan was saying, we probably weren't giving our team the time that they needed, putting a lot of energy into the the ones that just weren't fitting. So we were thinking they weren't buying in as much as they were. But later when we found our, our better team and the people that really did fit we found that they do actually follow our values and care about what we care about. With those regular meetings, we were just talking about when we have gotten busy and they, we had to sort of cut some of them out. They said that they did notice that we weren't doing them and they really did enjoy having those regular meetings and being able to see what's going on and bringing anything up that they need to. So you think your team don't notice things or you just get busy and you'll get back into it and you know nobody really notices but the team do so you need to sort of give them the value that they deserve at the end of the day and that's what you've done really well there and you guys are based in melbourne so you've had it very very hard uh, in terms of connecting with a team across the board it's hard in every state but melbourne's had it extremely tough you've done a really good job of, of managing that going forward now you know with those values and as we talk about you know the way we do it here and How's it been now having that structure you're talking about with your existing employees? And there's always a change. Whenever you're going through a program like this in a change management process, you're always going to those who are not going to fit in are going to jump off or you're going to push them out, right? There's always going to be a change. This is the way it is. But going forward with your new recruitment now and really understanding about the importance of hiring people who believe in what you believe and hiring people who have got the same attitude and aptitude and a willingness How's that been a change and a turnaround from successfully recruiting people now and onboarding them and getting them to buy in? How have you found that? The recruitment process, we really changed for how we put out to recruit people, questions we asked, what we were actually looking for. So I think when you, you really look into what you need and what you want for the business and have your values set out there, it pushes to find the right one and the, the right people that apply you ask the right questions, start off so you can kind of cut out half the ones from the very start instead of wasting all your time like we used to do. <laughs> that's common, right? Yeah. And self-include, you waste a lot of time when you get that wrong. And that's where alluding to what Nathan mentioned before, that higher, higher, slow, fire, fast, correct? 
yeah, and take your time to really learn each applicant. I think we did about three sort of interviews in the end with quite a few of them going through all different questions to really finding your right one in the end. So we took our time. We were busy and needed a, a new team member, but we're like, no, we're going to do it properly to get the right one. And then they come on board and they're already sort of part of the team, buying into it, doing what they need to do instead of you hiring someone that from day one you're already trying to manage and get them to change before you realise, well, we need to get rid of them again and hire again. <laughs> again, credit to you where you had the confidence to say, slow it down. Look, and this is what we hear a lot right now of people, oh, it's, it's hard to get someone, you know, haven't got someone. I say, well, what's your process? Well, I put a suitcat out there, you know, and I've got 20 applicants and, uh, you know, within a week and I haven't got anyone, there's no one out there. But I say, well, what type of person are you looking for? I'm looking for a high-quality person, you know, someone who can you know, run the job, think on their feet, blah, blah, blah. Well, you've got to expect it's going to take time. As you know, as part of our methodology in, in the book, The Power Up, your trading business book, you know, like it's just that, that trading mindset. It's just that the trading mindset is like, oh, just got to get someone with a heartbeat and they should just know what I know and just get on with it. You know, you've been a TAFE and I'm not going to cuddle you, just get on with it, right? But in the business performance mindset, you know it's going to take time to get the right fit. And it's great that you had the confidence, even when you were busy, and this is where I want people to understand, even when you're busy, don't jump and hire someone to fill a void because that's going to create a lot of long-term pain. Yeah. Take your time, say no, whatever you need to do, do not just fill a void. And this is the whole thing about, as you know, as part of our program, what we do, it's about being proactive, right? And when we talk about managing our sales pipeline, our profit planning, and we're always forward planning. So you should know, again, a good three to six months in advance when you need someone, correct? So what do you reckon, Nathan, you know, in terms of that reactiveness, where it's like, oh, shit, I'm busy next week, I'm flat out, I need someone next month, right? It's the reverse. Yeah, correct. Oh, look, I won't tell you what we're doing right now, but um, <laughs> look, try and be as planned and prepared as you can. But, you know, on the recruitment side of things, you know, I look at the way we've hired the last two people and their process has been really drawn back, really slowed it down. And what we noticed was, was guys just dropping off because they thought we were taking too long. And that's cool. We don't want them. And then we also made the interviews really dug into who they were as a person. Like we knew who we needed as far as a team member goes. You know, the plumbing skills we can teach, that's fine. If you haven't got the skills to roof it, we can teach that. What we can't teach is that having that right attitude and that right approach, coming in, accepting what you're being told as far as the team goes and the way we do it here and not trying to rock the apple cart. You know, if you're coming in and, you know, board a gate, yep, no, I don't like to, your operating systems, I don't like the, your team meetings, I want to do it my way, you haven't got a spot here at Lawrence Bombing Group. We've got guys whose skill sets range dramatically but they're really all buying in on the same level emotionally. You know, they want to see the business succeed. They have now the same approach and care for our clients that I do. They've got accountability and we can teach the plumbing stuff. That's the real easy part. Yeah, the technical part's the easy part. Yeah, correct. It is. Yeah, 100%. And what we found is actually we've got apprentices coming through first, second and third year and they're our best team members. They're the youngest guys in the crew. They kind of look up to you with big puppy dog eyes of, you know, what next master, and it's just fantastic. And they, they buy in, they've got this huge amount of accountability and they want to please and want to see the business grow. And we've got some great plumbers as well, but they're actually the ones we've had the most difficulty with. In They've come from other organisations and they bring their bad habits with them. They're changeable to a certain degree, but, you know, it's actually a lot more work trying to change someone's bad habits and getting them on board with what you want to achieve than grabbing those younger guys, you know, just accept what they're being told and really buy into that process. Yeah, spot on. 
that's been a big one for us. And I kind of had this mentality that I would never, I didn't want to grow a business from an apprenticeship model. I kind of, that's the model I came through. And I thought it was a bit of an abusive process where there was one boss and like seven apprentices. Like this guy's just cashing in. We're working flat out for him. He's, he's charging us out at plumber's rates. Um, and there was probably an element of that back then when we were on $4.60 an hour or something, whatever it was. <laughs> you paid that much, were you? Jeez, that's a lot yeah, of money. I paid yeah, that yeah. much. Yeah. $246 a week, I yeah, think it was yeah. in my bank. Yeah. But I took it from that approach of this boss is just cashing in. He's, he's abusing the system. Yeah. But the positive side I've seen from it is we get these young guys that are malleable. We can educate them and process them in a way that suits our business rather than fighting, butting heads with a qualified plumber who, yes, he's got the technical skills, but that's really not important to growing the business. It sounds crazy, but it, it's not. It's the least important part of growing the business is the technical skill. They've got to really tap into buying into the business, the system, because one thing I just want to frame there is that this is where most people get it wrong and this is where you, know, you got wrong in the early days is you don't clearly set the rules of your game. You don't clearly set your expectations. You hire someone based on, oh, you've been a plumber for 10 years and you've worked on these jobs, great, I'm going to get you on board. So you're not setting any clear expectations. So they just come rolling in with what's happened in the past of how they've worked previously. So they're just going to bring that in. And then when you try and then change that, it gets really difficult, correct? It gets really difficult to change it because, well, you haven't set that expectation, whereas very clearly what we're about is like, look, we're different to every other beast in the jungle. We are different. When you work across... You know, the white line here, this is what we're about, this is the way we do it here, and that, you know what, this is what's expected. We're all one and the same and we're all connected by those values and beliefs. And what are some of the key ones that you keep driving, again, in the team meetings and through your conversations and review process? What are some of the key fundamental values and behaviours that you really drive and on a daily sort of basis? And especially what are some of those values that you're seeing your apprentices really take and adopt and own? The biggest one is that, uh, we try and get into our guys is to really be conscious of their actions affect every other team member and how their day kind of unfolds. So if they choose to do something dumb or they don't make someone aware of something or renege to give us some information critical to a job, it's only going to affect, you know, someone else that's going to come along to the job next, hasn't got the right information. So that kind of approach, I suppose, of honesty and integrity, it's, you know, we're not out to catch you doing the wrong thing. We're aware that you're all human and you're going to stuff up. That's fine. It's how you react to that situation and being conscious of how that affects the team and having accountability in that sense. So that, that's probably the biggest one there is, is just understanding that everything you do has an effect, positive or negative, on the rest of the team. Um, and we approach all our mistakes. Look, we'll address them individually if they need to, but we approach all our mistakes on a team basis. So, again, I reference that roof issue we had last week. We booked the whole team in on the Friday. We went down to site and we fixed it as a team. Now, it was a bit of a comedy of errors, that one in then COVID got in the way, site restrictions, and, and it just got missed and lost. And But we found it, we approached it as a team, fixed it as a team, bought some lunch on the day, and it was a really good day. I think everyone kind of bought in, everyone really worked hard on that day, got the job fixed, but nobody was pointing fingers. Nobody was like, you know, you should have done this, you should have done that. We're here because of this person. It was just accepted that the team made a mistake and we went in and we fixed it together. That's been a really awesome one. I, I hate when people throw each other under the bus. We'll address situations individually when they need to be, you know, if they're serious enough. But if someone stuffs up, it's a team stuff up. You know, what, what's occurred that you haven't understood the process? 
or the accountability kind of process that you know you need to be aware of, of the other guys around you. Because you're all sharing the problem as well because you know, one individual made that problem then, but who's to say that the next individual who come across the same thing would make the same, same mistake? So the great thing is, is that as a team, you're fixing it, but also as a team, you're learning and you're growing. And I think that gives everyone too the confidence to put up their hand if something goes wrong. It's not like, oh, I'm going to get raked over the coals or, you know, if, uh, I'm working on eggshells. It's like it's just part of learning, correct? It's part of the process. And I think you've done a really good job of that, of in, you know, getting that trust in the team and getting them to confident and, and just own it. I made a mistake, put my hand up, I own it. I'm not going to sidestep it. Correct, yeah. And we, we would much rather know about the mistake right then and there because it's fixable. It doesn't matter. Yes, it's going to cost the business some money. We can deal with that later. But if we can be proactive, get in before the client knows about the mistake, we, you know, we, we don't hide it, but, you know, we can say, hey, we've made this blunder. We're going to be here for an extra couple of hours. It's going to be fixed. Your water's going to be back on. Your gas is going to be back on. People are really understanding. That, that's cool. They generally won't care. And if they do, if they really kick up a stink and they make your life miserable, you probably don't want them as a client. Where we try to get into that guy's issues, if, if we try and hide it or we don't make someone aware of it and the client finds the mistake, you know, that's, that's game over. Um, you might as well throw that client in the bin because you've ruined that trust. So getting that to the guys, you know, yes, there's maybe consequences based on your actions and, and getting to that problem or that issue, but you've just got to own that. You know, it's going to be a, you know, it's like lying to your parents when you're a seven-year-old, you know. It's the difference between getting a one smack from dad or uh, <laughs> or five or six smacks from dad as you're running down the hallway <laughs> as after he finds his uh, you know, broken window or whatever it might be. Yeah, it's, it's going to get uncovered. But I think that's a thing where you know, every every organisation, everyone listening, every business owner, that's what you want a team that will just automatically come up and say, look, they've done the wrong thing or there's been a mistake or I've missed that point or whatever. And again, it's credit to the process that you put in place over the last 18 months really working hard uh, that you've got the trust and that your team can feel that they can actually be open. So... That's a credit to you. And that's a great thing about building that team where you are now. The key part too is that connection, which is now your scorecard. And Haley, I want to definitely want to tap into some of the great work that you've done. Again, when we look at your prior numbers, so you know, 18 months ago, where yeah, lack of profitability, zero profitability, constant cash flow issues, yeah. constantly busy, constantly struggling. And you you're at the stage too, where you, as you mentioned, from a confidence point of view, didn't know how to get out, correct? Yeah, true. And you sort of just want to stop looking at the numbers because they're making you stressed. <laughs> and you're spot on there. And that's where we say a lot of people, when we say, have you been checking the scorecard? People go, Jonesy, I just don't want to check the scorecard. Yeah. I'm freaked out. I don't want to look into my zero or my or my mile. I just don't want to know it, right? So unfortunately, and this is where I want people to understand, this is where you cannot put your head in the sand, where a lot of people say, I'll leave that to my accountant. I'll leave it to my bookkeeper. I'm not even going to worry about it. And then you wait till the end of the, as we talk about, right, the end of the season, end of the 12 months or end of the financial year, then you might even look at the scorecard and work out, hey, we're in the bottom four. Hey, we've lost money and you can't change yeah. anything then. We're all about you know, mid-game, how are we tracking, how's our score looking and what we need to change. Now, if you can jump onto some of the key things that you put in play, some of the processes, and one of the key things, obviously, Harley, that you've done really well is, and as part of our profit planning uh, system within the software is getting from a stage where or lack of clarity within the chart of accounts, I think you'd agree, previously within the sales? Yeah, so I just had a pretty simple chart of accounts, which I thought, you know, you could jump on and see where you're spending your money 
pretty well. But after sort of working through that with you, we really broke it down to the different areas of work we do, like residential construction, commercial maintenance, and then breaking it down again. So the materials, subcontractors, even like permits and fees, things like that. So you can see every area, exactly where you're spending money. You know, if you're going over the budget in a different area, if you're under. So that's been great. Some people look at my chart of accounts and they're like, why is it so big? You don't need it so big. And I said, well, you do if you want to know where you're spending your money. <laughs> and look, I'd love a dollar for every bookkeeper or accountant that said to me, and hopefully there's plenty listening, said, you don't need that many chart of accounts. I said, well, you tell me. Zero in your mob is not built up. Again, for those listening, zero in your mob is not there for your bookkeeper or accountant. You own that. That's your scorecard. You need to understand it. If you don't understand it, then your partners are not helping you. Because one thing is that, you know, everyone says, oh, you can get it in this report, you can find this report, you go in here, and as you know, with how we got set up, you want one click of the button and you've got your budget and all your breakdown there so you don't have to dig around, right? It's, it's in your face. Right. And you've done a great job, again, of separating your work type and then linking the associated costs around that. Now, as you know, like we've had a lot of dialogue through the year of having to dig around, you know, to improve our profitability because there were some business types where there was a lot of materials expense, correct? There was a lot of often too many subcontractors expense. Again, the story of your business in the numbers, getting a better understanding of your financials, getting more confident with your financials. How has that led then to identifying other problems or other lack of processes within your business? How's that been for you, Hayley? I think I sort of already knew about just trying to keep track of jobs and materials on it with that lack of time between Nathan and I having that chat to how he looked after it. I think I just assumed, I don't know, he had it sorted on his side and I kind of looked after mine. I decided we needed to get an actual job management system so that every material can go to a job, your labour can go probably to a job. The time before I was sort of saying, Nathan, how how do you know what you've spent on that or, you know, the hours and that's probably just sort of a rough thing put together or, or you hope it's the correct amount. But, yeah, I said, need a proper process that looks at everything exactly. So it takes a bit of time getting all of that into place, finding the right one for your company um, and then training up your team to use it properly too because there's no point having it if if your team can't use it. (laughs) But then there's so many great ones there. So our main supplier is Reese. So the invoices can automatically get put into our job management system, Araflow. So Things are getting easier. It's getting automatically put in. So it reduces your time of all different things and you know it's in there that things aren't missed. So you can really track your profits correctly um, to really get to that that last dollar and your one percenters. Yeah, and that's what we talk about a lot, right? Those one percenters is not about just doing more work. It's about managing percentages. And that's why you've done a really good job of making sure we're pricing correctly, making sure we've got the right margins on our materials really be more stringent on our bill of quantities and our purchase orders, correct, and allocating that to the right account. You've done that really well. In terms of the processes as well, along with that, so getting a really good handle on our profit and loss and our budget, you know, that forecast, how important also some of the process around managing our sales pipeline or managing your sales pipeline, that process, and also cash flow forecasting, the 13-week cash flow forecasting. What are some of the other key habits, success habits that you've been implementing from an administration point of view. And again, just what I want to clarify to listeners, what you're doing here 
what you sort of alluded to a little while ago is that because you're getting transparency and accuracy and it's up to date, you and Nathan can actually be on the same page, correct? So you're looking at the same thing and you can make an educated decision together. That's right. We both sort of have the same platforms we can look at. So Nathan can jump on the cube and see exactly what I'm seeing with how we're tracking. Obviously, when COVID hit, it's made things a lot more difficult. And I think the cash flow forecasting kind of came started using that in the cube around the start of COVID so you could really see which weeks you're looking good or not as well and if you needed to push for more work in in certain weeks it sort of showed us that there was a type of area that we didn't want to do too much work in but to get through COVID and to to meet our numbers and what we needed to do we sort of delved back into that area but it got us through difficult times and then we can once we're happy and out of that, then we can push back into the other areas to find the ones that are more profitable again, not just getting us through a pandemic. <laughs> well, that's a great thing. It's also about strategy, right? There are certain times where you have to do a type of work. Potentially, you might not be making a bit of a loss leader, as it's termed. You might not be making the money, but it's keeping things ticking over now. You're doing it from an educated vantage point as opposed to an uneducated vantage point where it's just like, hey, I'm just going to keep doing this work, but without really knowing why you're doing it because it's keeping you busy. Uh, and that's that big transformation I definitely see. And again, it's a credit to, to both of you that where you're really, yeah, your financial IQ and looking at the numbers now and, and really making educated decisions has been fantastic, especially through this COVID experience. Everyone in our community very much knows how I was jumping up and down, you know, let's get into our cash flow, let's get into our cash flow. We want to identify, hey, where's that red train coming? And for those listeners who don't know about the red train set, hey, when am I going to have no money in the bank? And I want to see that months in advance, not a day in advance where, for most people. So across the board, with the, the process and the transformation that you put in place, it's it's fantastic. Just to finish up now, you know, for some of the listeners, Nathan, from your point of view, just if someone's starting out now or, or ticking on, what are some of the key things or just the one thing any potential budding business owner should be looking at? It's, it's probably a bit of a hard one, but as I said earlier, I think I needed to have that experience first of starting my own business and, and giving it a go on my own and needed to see that I didn't know it all. Um, you know, I'm pretty stubborn in my ways, I suppose. So for some guys, you know, they'll need to go through that process, start the business, get the ABM, just get out there trading and potentially then realise that you might need a bit of help to grow the business if that's the way you want to take it. For the guys that aren't that stubborn, you know, don't be afraid to seek help. You know, you don't know what you don't know and, and get out there, just even start reading some books, listen to some of Matt's podcasts. You know, he's got some great ones online there. I think it's episode six or seven you're up to there, Matt. Don't forget to power up your trading business book. Hey, that's an industry bestseller yeah. team. Yeah, Matt, I'll send you that for free if you're um, if you ask 100%. for it. Love it. Love to help. Love to help. And then I think just don't hide from it. You know, speak to the guys around you. Everyone seems or has gone through a similar process. You know, if they're super successful today, they've probably been where you're at. You know, that, that high level of stress, that zero or very, you know, very low profits, working seven days a week, whether it's on the tools or, or in the office on a Saturday, Sunday night. You know, I remember working till 1, 2 a.m. in the morning, up at 5 a.m., just stupid stuff. So you're not the only one going through it. Reach out there, ask for some help. There's plenty of stuff online where you can kind of get a bit of an introduction to it and then build those relationships with those guys that you get along with and you can see helping you build your business. Don't be so arrogant to think that you don't need help and, you know, everyone out there that, is successful in business at some point will have received that help to, to help grow and get them on track. So it's it's probably the biggest one I can give there, Matt. I think. No, it's great. No, pre and and tapping into that, and that's the great thing about 
the Q Performance community and part of our the Power Up program. And this is where you know, you've been invaluable member there too, Nathan, sharing ideas. Is that you want to be in a group, as you alluded to, that of like-minded individuals. Too often, people's dreams can get stubbed out pretty quickly because they're around the wrong people who are negative or don't understand where you're going. So it's always making sure wherever your vision, where you're going, make sure you're in a team or a group that's already been there before that can help and advise you. But as a business owner, it is the toughest thing that anyone's going to do uh, from a career point of view. It's tough. doesn't matter what industry you're in. Being a business owner is really tough. So please surround yourself with the right people. Those naysayers, don't talk about business to them, okay? So what are you going to say, Nathan? Yeah, I was going to say, just be careful too. There's a lot of organisations out there that will just talk about boosting your sales, and that's great. That's all well and good. But if your sales have got no profit behind them, you potentially just get further and further into debt and, and more and more stress. So find that organisation that understands business and, and that business is about profit at the end of the day. Yes, you've got to have a community and a great organisation and a team that really understands what you're about. But at the end of the day, businesses are better to make money and you're going to have a business that does 200 grand with a 40% profit margin or you can have a business that's 10 million and 4 or 5% profit margin and I, I know which one I'd want. So just be careful with some of the programs that some of those companies offer. I know Matt and his, his team are, are all about starting and stripping it back and starting again and building your business for profit. Yeah, and it's a river program. It's all about too sustainability and like you mentioned there, this is where a lot of people go wrong as well because they, they do ramp up their sales but they haven't got the processes. Not only are they going backwards profitably wise, but they haven't got the processes to manage it and then they go, their time is just out the window as well. So anyone out there, so there's no quick wins. We want to really make sure we build sustainable long-term business that ultimately you know, you're building a brand and an asset that your family will benefit from. All your blood, sweat and tears, credit to everyone running a business. It's a tough gig. All right, Nathan Haley, awesome. Really appreciate your time on this episode of Power Up Your Business Podcast. Really appreciate you sharing your story. I'm sure as you'd agree, listeners, there's heaps of great takeaways there. And depending on where you are on your journey, note down some key points or processes to implement today, not tomorrow, start today. So again, Nathan Haley, really appreciate your time. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for having us. You're here to change your life. Because there's too much on the line, you're sacrificing shitload now and your family need to benefit. You've got to make learning a passion for yourself. The clicker for me come, I realise that, hey, I've got to get better at business. 